Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So we have been going through this sermon series of Statement of Faith, but I want to take a pause from that because during our vacation, uh, Psalms 23 kept coming into my heart. Just kept coming. And I've been hearing it here and there, and the thought of Psalms 23 kept coming. And maybe it's because of the season that I'm in. Um, but as I meditated on God's word on Psalms 23, I felt like maybe it's a word that God wants for you. So I feel like I'm getting an affirmation on that. <laughs> and Psalms 23, you probably know, is a very familiar passage. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. You know the text. This is probably something that you were forced to memorize when you were a kid. But I want us to come back, not so that you know this, but maybe remind you or take you to um, a season of what, this, what these words meant for David, what it meant, what it ought to mean for us. Because I think there's so much to this text of Psalms 23. And I hope that I can just expose a glimpse of that for you um, to be a blessing. Because the, the text ministered to me greatly this week for many reasons. And I believe it can for you maybe in your season at this time. Or maybe the season that you're going to go into. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 23. I'm going to read from the NIV version for you today. Psalms 23, 1 through 6, or the whole chapter. And it reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Before we get into the word, I want to ask you a question. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? I'm going to tell you, I asked that question because your response to this reveals not only what you're proclaiming, but your identity. That you are the sheep of his flock. I want to point out that if the Lord is your shepherd, you ought to know what that means. What does it mean for you biblically? And what does it mean for you practically? You have to ask that question because too many times in the church we say, Lord, I believe in God, but is the Lord your shepherd? There's a difference. There is a big difference, and you need to ask that tough question because it impacts 
your life, your decisions, and if in fact you are part of the flock to which the shepherd carries and leads you. The writer of Psalms 23 is David. If you remember David, before he was a king, he was a warrior, soldier, who led the armies, took on Goliath. But before he was a soldier, he was a shepherd boy. It is on the field as a shepherd that he knew the role of a shepherd, to protect his flock, to care for the sheep, to lead them. And it was through the encounter with the lions and the bears to protect his flock that he learned how to fight, to take on the confidence, and how to lead to be as eventually king. It's interesting that when you look at the, the scriptures, all, the great leaders of the Bible were shepherds. And, and it's profound because I had met someone who owned a flock of sheep. And he told me it's, for his spiritual walk, it was the most profound thing for him because he learned how dumb sheep were. <laughs> he learned what he had to do. As a shepherd, he learned the heart of the Father, of God himself, in caring for the sheep. It is through the experience of that. And so I think it was no coincidence that God appointed a shepherd to lead his nation to shepherd them. And throughout the scripture, God says he is a shepherd. David proclaims God was his shepherd. And his proclamation revealed his identity as a sheep. That he himself was a sheep. Sheep follows the shepherd. Easy, right? Do you know who doesn't follow the shepherd? Pop quiz. Goats. You know, in Matthew 25, there is an account where Jesus talks about the end times, right? If you remember Matthew 24 and 25, it's the end time. They come out of the, uh, the temple courts, and, you know, the disciples are amazed by the temple. And he talks about the end times. And then there, he talks about when the Son of Man returns, he will separate the man, yeah, the sheep and the goats. And that, and that kind of like, what does that mean? Is it just because they look alike? But he goes deeper. Goats do look a lot like sheep. And if you didn't know any better in your ignorance, you would think, oh, they could be the same animals because there are some breed of goats that look. You couldn't tell. They look like sheep. But their personality is very different. So here's something that I learned about goats. Goats are highly intelligent. They're strong. Physically, they're curious, and they will test the boundaries of their surrounding. If they're caged, they're fenced in, they will kick that fence to see if it will hold them. They will jump over the fence, break down the fence. They will climb trees. They will eat anything. They will find food. Where sheep are completely dependent on what is fed them, given them, and like they, they would die, goats will survive. Place them anywhere, and they will find the trash left over somewhere, and they will survive. They are fully 
capable animals. So on the paper, you read goats. It's like, I want to be a goat. Because they're, I don't want to say superior, they're a little bit more intelligent than the sheep. <laughs> but if you proclaim the Lord is my shepherd, then you're saying you're a sheep who follow the shepherd, not a goat. You guys know the difference? Sometimes our strength can be our weakness. Sometimes our capabilities, the know-how, and, and God, as I, I look at this room, you guys are fully capable, strong, intelligent, and that is a blessing, right? And with that, God calls us to use our resources for, for the glory of his name, which is good. But <laughs> sometimes this giftedness empowers us to live independently apart from the Lord. We do not wait on the Lord as a sheep. I remember when I first uh, began my career as a stockbroker and my mentor, and he, was, he wasn't necessarily training me up, but he liked to give me life lessons in our daily conversations. And when he would ask me, did you do this, did that? And I would give an excuse why it didn't happen. And you know what he would say? He would say, make it happen. Make it happen. But make it happen. But make it happen. He didn't take any excuse. He just said, you make it happen. Don't let it happen to you. You go and make it happen. You search that person out. You do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I confess, I ate up those words and lived it as a type A, go-getter, make it happen. And my strength became my weakness because I was a goat. Greatest of all time, of course, but no. <laughs> no. Headstrong, independent, not a follower. But you got to be a follower. You got to be a sheep to be the kind of person, kind of leader, kind of king that God appoints, humble, to hear his word. Recognizing who your sheep is reveals your identity, your source of provisions, and gives you confidence for life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I, I love that there, we have so many different translations of the Bible. Because I want you to know that there are word-for-word -word translations, but it does, sometimes they, that doesn't give you full grasp of what the God's word says. So in different translations, give you little snippets of what that word could mean. So um, I read for you NIV, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Passion Translation is so very different. It says, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd, I always have more than enough. That's an elaboration. Uh, CSB uh, version says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And King James, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let me give you all that conclusion. You lack nothing. You have what you need. You have what you want. You will not be wanting anything. If you proclaim the Lord is your shepherd, 
you will not be in a need. You have enough. You have what you need. Because a shepherd leads the flock to the places of provisions. Places of provision. And if you are where he is, you're in a place of provision. Get this. So David, when he was a shepherd, he used to take the flock from hillside to hillside, pasture to pasture. And it's not as green as we see in pictures. Because if you've been to the Middle East or, or the pictures, uh, there's a deeper study in this, and, uh, and I haven't verified it. But there, were, there was a, I remember watching a documentary, and when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he leads to the green pastures, he showed the pictures, and you're talking little snippets of grass, like every 100 yards, like little weed sprout. And they literally have to go from there to way to the other side for these. And that was a green pasture. The place was called the green pasture. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That doesn't look green at all. It looked like dirt. But, that, but that's another study. But we imagine when the Lord leads you to the place, to the green pasture, it's a place of provision for you to eat. And then the scripture says, by the still waters. Oh, gosh. We can go... Um, deeper into that, but the word for still waters there is menuqua in the Hebrew. It's translated, obviously, as a still waters in our text, but more often in other texts, when that word comes up, it's place of rest or the resting place. Yeah. That's the church name. That's where it comes from. It is a place of rest. It is not the still waters. You know, when I first read that, it's like the Lord to green pasture and still waters. Like you eat and you drink. <laughs> but this is talking about restoration of your soul. A place of rest. So we just came back from vacation for a little R&R. But who are we kidding? We have kids. <laughs> you know... If you're taking kids, there's no rest and relaxation. <laughs> Sometimes I need a vacation from my vacation. Because I was the driver, I was the mule, I was the cook, and I was the dishwasher. I was all of the above serving my family so they can get their R&R. No, I'm just kidding. We had a, a, a blast. But I, I do remember that there was a years back, I was serving in another church, and I, and I felt burned out. And maybe you guys know what that feels like. The pressure from the people, pressure from the situation, and oh, pressure, I want to escape. I said, I need a vacation. So in between my sermon preparation, I'm looking for deals for a cruise. <laughs> Yeah, like, but that wasn't saying I wanted an R&R. &R. I wanted to escape the pressure. Even for a week or two weeks, it was to relieve that pressure that was over me. And we confuse that. We confuse vacation as this time of restoration, but what it really is is, is an escape. Fast forward, after we joined the, the Resting Place family, and, oh, my gosh, especially when it was a, 
we were worshiping and they were spirit-filled, or Sarah was just getting renewed, healed, as I was. And then came summer, and it was like our first vacation after the resting place. And when we went, I didn't feel different before the vacation, during the vacation, after the vacation, because we were already restored at rest. We were serving from rest, not for rest, not to one day get away. We were serving from rest. And as we went to another place, it was just a different geographic location, but we were already at rest. You understand? Your vacation is not the source for you to bring that restoration of the still water. You don't have to search out that still water place outside. I'm just saying the resting place of our church is where the Spirit of God flows. The still water is His Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. And this is what Jesus was talking about with the Samaritan woman at the well. You guys remember? Right? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm just talking to you. John 4, 14, he says, But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Corinthians, when you read about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit, we drink from the one Spirit. And this Spirit is this water illustration, a metaphor that we drink from to be refreshed and he his, get the restoration of the peace, shalom. It's his spirit. I just want to say that the resting place from the scripture is where the spirit of the Lord is, where his spirit fills so it's not enough for you to go to church. Be in a church where the Spirit of the Lord fills that place. And I'm grateful the Spirit of the Lord is here. I am grateful because I wouldn't be doing this if the Spirit wasn't here. That's just work. I don't want to work. No, I'm just kidding. I actually, I do. I enjoy working. Uh, that's Erase that. <laughs> Recognizing who your shepherd is reveals your identity, sources of your provision, and gives you confidence for life. Gives you confidence for life. In verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley or shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Proclaiming the Lord is your shepherd. Lord is my shepherd. Gives me confidence in life. You guys understand that? Confidence. Have you guys been in a place of fear or anxiety? Come on. If you said no, come on. Live a little. You will encounter the, the valleys of darkness. You will encounter times of stress, worries, and I'm not saying that if you believe in Jesus, you will never have that in your life. No, you will encounter it. That's how this world works. But I can tell you that worries and fear never helped me in those valleys. And I've been through some valleys, some dark moments. Worries never helped me. But I can't tell you what did help me. 
When I prayed and I knew God listened to me, when I knew I was not alone, the Lord was with me. The Lord sent his servants to surround me, gather me, help me. That helped me. Even though I walked through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the Lord is with me. It's interesting that I have seen, it. so with my marketing background, I like to pay attention to commercials, media, and how they manipulate words. More than ever, I see, and maybe you have noticed, that they have been using fear in their communications, which I understand. You, any marketing that evokes emotions will stick. All emotions. We're able to relate because of the emotions. That's marketing. That's smart marketing. But fear is a very powerful emotion because fight or flight, like you want to fight or run away. Run away from that competitor of that business or run away from that business because you don't share in that uh, you know, ideology, whatever it is. Fear is a big, strong, powerful emotion. But man, in the last couple of decades, fear is this common practice in our culture. And you saw that firsthand when COVID happened. They call it the pandemic. It's not that we didn't go through the viruses or the uh, you know, sicknesses before. And I'm not going to make light of it because a couple of us had it really bad. Like, really bad. But fear didn't help us. God did. Sometimes doctors, the nurses who care for us, my wife. Fear is a response from what the culture told us we ought to embrace. The policymakers has evoked so much fear that they shut down our entire country, shut down all the churches, shut down even Afraid for you to go out into the park to breathe the fresh air. Really? You need a mask when you're alone by yourself in the middle of the field? Made me know, like people could think because of the fear. I can give you so many examples of the kind of conversation I had with people, and I would really want to be nice here. But some of the things that people said to me after I had COVID was so ridiculous. It's like, wait a minute. I know you're highly educated. I know you had, like, master's level education. You don't know the basic things of what vaccine does or doesn't do? Or natural immunity because of the antibodies from getting COVID? Like, people couldn't think for themselves because of how the media portrayed such fear. It was ridiculous. And now I, anyways, I'm going to digress because I was talking about fear. I'm trying to be good. Trying to be good here. Emotions. Anger is one of them. When we go through the valleys of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Because the Lord is with you. If you proclaim the Lord is your shepherd. He not only takes care of you physically, but protects you 
covers you and walks with you. Do you know who, who have the fears? Those who walk alone. Those who can't rely on other people. Those who feel like who are helpless and hopeless because no one is there for them. And I understand people fear that when they're not doing well spiritually. When they've been walking away from the church for a while, they think God doesn't love me anymore. And they think of the, their own performance. So God doesn't love me. And so when they go through the shadows, God's not with me. Hopeless, helpless, and in fear. But you don't have to be afraid. The Lord loves you. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's not by your performance. That's who he is. But you just have to be the sheep. You just have to be part of the flock. You just have to be not alone goat. Right? Easy. But you got to know who you are. Let me wrap this up. You know, there's, there's biblical truth and there is world. Intelligence, wisdom, academic. I remember... In psychology, there is something called Maslow's Theory of Hierarchy. You guys remember that? Okay. It is um, the theory of motivation that, oh, okay. Let me just share, share that. This theory says we need to cover these basic foundational elements, needs, met before we can go to the next stage. Ultimately, when you attain all of these things, then you can achieve self-actualization. So let me refresh your memory in, in the psychology baloney. Uh, your physical needs needs to be met, which is, which is, yes, breathing, food, water, basic sleep, okay? You get that covered, then you seek safety, home, shelter, wall, yeah, Safety. Then, after you have your physical needs, your safety, then you can seek love and belonging. So, you know, the guys build up their career, have their house. Now they're ready to search for love. Okay. Love, family, uh, esteem. Then you seek awards, self-esteem, honor, recognition. And then when you, they argue, then you can achieve the self-actualization to find who you are, to attain the fullness of who you can be, who you are made for in this world. You guys with me? That's Maslow's theory of hierarchy. Okay. Here is the way of the goat. Next slide. The way of the sheep. Let's do a reverse. Self-actualization on the top. Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You start there of who the Lord is in your life, then recognize who you are in Him. When you attain your self-actualization, all your other things are met. Physical need, He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. Love and belonging, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's all, oh, safety. Love and belonging, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflow. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Esteem, love, 
acceptance. It starts at the top. It's a complete reversal of Maslow's hierarchy. Isn't that great? I love biblical truth that counters, you know, education. Anyways, not that I am against education because if you know me, I, I love reading. I love academic stuff. I love all of that, but I hate reading baloney junk. It doesn't help me at all because I can tell you that Maslow's hierarchy has no weight. doesn't hold a candle to the way of the sheep. Because when the Lord is your shepherd, you know who you are. You know your identity. You know your provisions will be met. You know you're protected. You have peace. You have everything. You lack nothing. I shall not be in want. Isn't that great? So here's the truth. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't know what this means. Because you've never been a sheep. But you have to know your shepherd you got to know the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And back then, the shepherds were the hired hands of, let's say, an estate owner. But Jesus came and said, I am the good shepherd. Separating himself from all the other shepherds of this prior, he says, I am the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. you got to know your shepherd. you got to know his voice to follow. And you have to follow. You can't be a goat. You can't be kicking around and looking for your manna the next day. Manna's given for you. He provides for you. You've got to be a sheep. You've got to know who your shepherd is. And I will tell you that this culture has taught something so different in the church. The churches in America have trained up a bunch of goats. It starts off, you're shopping for a church. You come to a church, and you tell the shepherd what to preach, what to say, what you like, what you don't like. That's a goat. That's not a sheep. Let me just remind you. And then the goats will go around and take the other sheep and make them goats. Come with me. Let's discover. Let's go shopping for other places because you're not getting what you're getting at here. That's what a goat does. Shepherd leads a flock. The flock stays. Sometimes, <laughs> my wife, um, she reminds me how impatient I can be because I do act like a goat sometimes. So this is my confession, guys, not telling you what to be. Uh, yes, I am... Absolutely blessed by her. <laughs> Sometimes it, it, the lack of movement frustrates me. You guys understand? I'm very impatient. Um, so when somebody says, thank you for your patience because they're making me wait, I'm not patient. Stop saying that. It frustrates me all the more. But that's, you know, I digress. Sometimes the way of this culture and the microwave generations is that we don't know how to wait. We don't know how to wait on the Lord. We don't know how to wait on one another. And we make it happen. Again, I know what that's like. Make it happen. In fact, I even teach my son that. Make it happen. Stop giving me excuses. Just do it. Make it happen. But sometimes you have to listen to the voice. 
We have to humble ourselves and be the sheep, to belong to a flock, belong to a, a body, and, and to be there for one another. And sometimes this doesn't progress like the goats, okay? But it's the humility of God pours upon, and where the Lord is, that's his flock behind him. Sometimes our progress doesn't go as fast as we would like it because we are trying to do our own thing. We're scattered like the goats, breaking down fences, climbing up trees, and finding our next meal. When the Lord says, I want to give it to you, you just have to wait. Be with me. Walk with me. That's been my meditation. This Psalm 23 and in the season with this economy, it's changing. And we can't be secure on the job we have or the business we have or whatever it is. We have to be dependent on our shepherd. We got to know where our provisions have been coming from. And sometimes they, he, he uses our jobs and businesses and, and all those opportunities where he you know, channels his blessings through. I, I get it but it's the Lord. We have to recognize it's the Lord. And I preach this to myself first. If the Lord is my shepherd, I am a sheep. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures by the still waters. Even though the darkness, the valley of the shadow of death comes upon, I will fear no evil. And there is going to be a season and time where he is going to exalt you, exalt me with his table and buffet with and my cup will run it over. He will esteem me. He will esteem you in due time in the presence of your enemies. Oh, I can't wait for that one. Wrap it in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. So, is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Are you his sheep? Or have you been a goat? It's a time of confession and repentance. Repentance is not just Changing our behavior, repentance is changing our thinking. Metanoia is to change our mind of what we believe of Psalm 23, of the good shepherd and who we are in him. And I want to welcome you. If uh, It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've gone through. Sometimes it just takes a statement of renewal to say, Lord, I think I've been a goat. I repent. I'm sorry. Show me how to hear your voice, to hear you, to walk with you, to walk behind you, that, and depend on your provision. I've been trying to make it on my own. I've been doing it. And I ask you to bless what I'm doing rather than following your voice to go where you're going, where you're leading me. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.